Hello everyone, you are listening to Carbonated Thoughts, the show that provides you with unbiased, factual and reliable perspectives on topics that are shaping the public discourse. And we are your hosts, Anushree and Harijit. Hello listeners, thank you so much for the great response you all have shown for our first episode. There has been so many things happening around the world, so me and Arijit decided that for our second episode, we will focus on the Black Lives Matter movement that has once again gained momentum after the recent killing of US resident George Floyd. In this episode, we will present certain statistics that will reveal how at times the US system is biased against the African Americans and also take a look at how different brands have responded to this movement. We will also discuss what role corporations have played over the years to make a profit out of discrimination against part of their population. If we are to use the hashtag Black Lives Matter Instagram, the platform currently returns almost 22 million posts. The movement is no longer restricted to the domestic boundaries of the United States, but has gained momentum across the globe in places like South Africa, Europe and Asia as an expression of dissent against racism and police brutality. As we took up research on the subject, we realized that there is a parallel, almost a counter-movement called All Lives Matter. One of the major proponents of the All Lives Matter movement is US Senator Tim Scott. Recently, we saw the Bollywood diva Sara Ali Khan took to Instagram to support this All Lives Matter movement. I somehow find this a little funny and annoying. There is no question that all lives matter. In fact, lives in any form should matter and we should always work to protect it. What this counter campaign All Lives Matter fails to recognize is that Black Lives Matter movement does not propagate that only Black Lives Matter. Like it's never intended like Black Lives are more important than any other lives in USA. In fact, in view of the inequality that the African Americans have faced for a long time in the United States, the Black Lives Matter campaign actually propagates that Black Lives Matter too, along with other lives, who witness certain privileges in the US, which for the Blacks is still a matter of luxury. Over the last few days, I've seen many of my acquaintances post about racism on Instagram and Facebook. I hope through this episode, I'll be able to reach out to a few members of the society and give them an insight into this movement and the madness and anger that we are witnessing around the globe, especially in the USA. Well, you know, Arijit, interestingly, while trying to understand the concept of racism, I came across a term called systematic racism. So racism is often defined as the prejudice or discrimination directed against someone of a different race based on the belief that one's own race is superior. This comes from a strange belief that race is the primary determinant of human traits and capacities and that racial difference produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. So, can you tell something more about systematic racism? Well, uh, systematic racism includes the policies and practices entrenched in established institutions, which results in the exclusion or promotion of designated groups. It differs from overt discrimination in that no individual intent is necessary. 
it actually manifests itself in two ways firstly institutional racism which is racial injustice or discrimination that derives from individuals carrying out the dictates of others who are prejudiced or of a prejudiced society secondly there is structural racism that refers to inequalities rooted in the system-wide operation of a society that excludes substantial numbers of members of particular groups from significant participation in major social institutions. Let me give an example here. Schools that educate young minds should theoretically get equal support and funding, right? But in the United States, the funding of a school is based on the property tax of the neighborhood which means that schools located in affluent and rich neighborhoods get more funding than those located in poorer neighborhoods. The poorer neighborhoods in the United States are most often those that are occupied by the African-American families, which means the kids from these families end up in schools which has been receiving lesser funding and are not able to offer the kind of learning experience offered by the schools located in affluent neighborhoods. Anu, let me now talk about the 1918 pandemic. The second deadliest outbreak in human history killed an estimated 6,75,000 Americans. When the flu first hit and overwhelmed the nation's healthcare delivery systems, black illness went underreported in data collection efforts. News coverage of the flu's impact on black communities was limited because white society believed that the virus primarily affected white people. Some physicians suggested that blacks were less susceptible to the type of influenza that struck in 1918 and that the lining of their noses made them more resistant to microorganisms. Few Negroes die of flu, read a headline from a local newspaper in Boise that time. Well, you know, the current protests in the US is in response to the murder of 46-year-old George Floyd. He was pinned down for 8 minutes and 46 seconds by an officer named Derek Chauvin who choked him using his knee on Floyd's neck. As the video of the incident surfaced on international media, I was really sad and angered to see the man dying as it kept saying, I can't breathe. But the hashtag Black Lives Matter emerged in another case, which is equally appalling and shocking. The murder of teenager 17-year-old Trevin Martin in Florida. The Martin case also highlights how the law was used to protect the murderer who is not black. The hashtag Black Lives Matter originated on Facebook in 2013 when a black organizer Patrice Cullors used it while discussing the acquittal of the man who killed Trayvon Martin. On the night of February 26, 2012, as young Trayvon Martin was visiting his relatives in Florida, he was followed and later fatally shot by George Zimmerman. Trevon Martin did not possess any weapon at the time of the shooting but was shot by Zimmerman after he followed him suspecting, yes, just suspecting of a crime. Zimmerman was acquitted as he claimed that he killed in self-defense. He was protected under a Florida law called Stand Your Ground which allows you to kill a person if you feel threatened even though in this case it was Martin who was followed and threatened. It has always been the story of the struggle for the African-American community. Over the years, legislators in the US have framed laws and policies that have particularly impacted the black community. The US has used media, particularly news and movies, 
in order to paint the demeaning picture of the African American community. Every time there has been an attempt to give a voice to this community, the US government has used its laws and institution to discredit, demonize or destroy those movements. Do you know it is on record that in 1964, the then FBI director Edgar Hoover had labeled an extremely popular black activist Martin Luther King Jr. as the most notorious liar in the United States. His phones were tapped by the FBI to keep a track of all his movements. Can you imagine? He was kept under surveillance under the FBI's domestic counterintelligence program. Another black activist, Malcolm X, was cited as a militant figure in the civil rights field and he was put under electronic surveillance. The media sets the tone for the morals, values and images of our culture. Movies have been used to paint a demeaning picture of the Afro-American community. Black characters have appeared in American films since the beginning of the industry in 1888. But blacks weren't even hired to portray blacks in the early works. Instead, white actors and actresses were hired to portray the characters while in blackface. 1915 saw the release of the film Birth of a Nation, which represented African-American men as uneducated, savage brutes who preyed on innocent white women. It framed African-Americans in such a critical way that the stigmatization of this portrayal haunts the black community to this day. Black characters in movies are often portrayed in stereotypical roles like thugs, pimps and gangsters, which supports the criminal level African-Americans and their culture have been given. In the book Social Death, released in 2012, the author asserts that America has associated blackness with criminality to such a degree that we cannot identify a crime without a black body. Well, this is really stunning. How since the times Africans were brought to the USA as slaves, blacks even today are not seen as equals even after contributing to the US economy for ages. One of the most prominent images in this protest is of the raised fist. I'm sure you might have seen young men and women standing on pavements and sometimes on top of cars with their closed fists raised above their heads. It is a symbol that is derived from the black power movement of the 1960s. So here is one of the most iconic images from the 1968 Olympics. During the medal ceremony in the Olympic Stadium in Mexico City on October 16, 1968, two African-American athletes, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, each raised a black gloved fist during the playing of the US national anthem. This movement, along with many in US history, looked to achieve economic freedom and political representation for the blacks in the United States. All these movements grew out of the American Civil Rights Movement that looked to bring to an end racial discrimination and segregation. Arjit, now let us talk about some numbers that will highlight the crisis that the African-American race faces. And also, if you can uh, tell something more about the workings of the American judicial system. So we all know that the USA uh, is one of the most developed nations in the world that propagates values like justice and freedom. 
But do you know that USA has the highest citizens in jail per capita in the entire world? Out of every 1 lakh citizens, almost 700 people are in jail. But this is where it gets really strange. 74% of those in jail are not even convicted of any crime. This is as per the reports of Prison Policy Initiative. Let's ask a scary question. Is there any other reason than justice to put people behind bars? Like, can you make money out of putting people in jail? Did you know the USA prison population has seen a steady rise since the 1960s? Well, this all started with the declaration of war on drugs by the Nixon government in the 1960s, which was more strictly implemented by the Ronald Reagan government. The US prison population that was around 3 lakh in the 1970s rose to almost 12 lakh in 1990s, touching the 20 lakh figure in 2000. The figure is around 24 lakhs as on today. USA has passed different laws at different times that have worked against the African-American community like the one we mentioned on the Trevin Martin case. Can you tell something more about the 1994 federal crime bill? So this 1994 law was the largest crime bill in the history of the United States. The platform encouraged states to pass truth in sentencing laws, bragged about instituting the death penalty for nearly 60 more crimes and even encouraged the prosecution of young people as adults. The 1994 crime bill encouraged even more punitive laws and harsher practices on the ground, including by prosecutors and police, to lock up more people and for longer periods of time. The crime bill authorized $9.7 billion for states to build and operate prisons. Naturally, more prisons need more prisoners to justify their existence. So people started being put away in jails more often and for a longer period of time. This affected the African-American community more than any others in the USA. Let's look at some numbers. African-Americans are arrested for drug abuse at a much higher rate than white Americans. Although survey shows drug use at a similar level. In 2018, African-Americans made up around 13% of the US population but represented almost a third of the country's prison population. White Americans made up around 30% of the prison population despite representing more than 60% of the total US population. The figures that are available for incidents in which the police shot and killed people show that for African Americans, there is a much higher chance of being fatally shot relative to their overall numbers in the US population. All these figures are as per the US Census and has been accessed through BBC. As per police reports, more than 1,000 unarmed people died due to police harm between 2013 and 2019, and about a third of them were blacks. A study conducted by The Guardian in 2015 revealed that young black men were nine times more likely to be killed by the police officers. While researching the American laws, I came across an interesting organization called ALEC. ALEC stands for American Legislative Exchange Council. This organization is made up of, as the name suggests, state legislators and guess what, corporations. So, 
it can be inferred that the laws proposed or drafted by alec has corporate interests hidden in them like the stand your ground law in florida that allowed american citizens to buy weapons for self defense directly benefiting guns and bullets retailers like walmart you will be surprised to know walmart was at that time a member of alec alec's corporate members include at least a dozen companies that do prison business like dupont the drug companies merck and glaxosmithkline and the telephone companies that compete for lucrative prison contracts and corrections corporation of america cca dominates the private prison business building and running prisons and renting cells to governments you know what's interesting it's not only walmart some of the world's largest corporations have been alec members google at&t coca-cola fedex mcdonald's the pharma company pfizer and many more but over the years many have separated from alec due to their controversial approach among alec's model bills are mandatory minimum sentences three strikes of law which gave repeat offenders 25 years to life in prison and truth in sentencing which requires inmates to serve most or all of their time without a chance for parole alec didn't invent any of these ideas but has played a pivotal role in making the laws in the states when your crime is subject to a mandatory minimum sentencing law the judge has much less discretion in setting your punishment if you plead guilty or are found guilty at trial you will get at least the minimum sentence set by law the judge is not permitted to impose a shorter sentence even if there are facts that would normally provide a reason for leniency the judge must ignore the facts laws like these meant that many poor blacks ended up in jail without proper access to justice thus breaking up their families and pushing them in misery the black lives matter protest that was ignited by the recent murder of george floyd got support from some of the biggest brands in the world brands have taken a stance against racism and called on for laws that grant equal privileges for all people irrespective of their color or race twitter's bluebird turned a somber black nike and reebok have released compelling video campaigns urging people to stand up against racism and violence this kind of campaigns are called woke campaigns woke is a political term of african american origin which refers to a perceived awareness of issues concerning social justice and racial justice all these campaigns make the brands appear benevolent and caring for all arjit do brands really care or are they only jumping into the crisis to stay relevant uh let's take a closer look firstly nike launched a monochrome app across uh, social media don't think this doesn't affect you let's all be a part of the change using a set piano tune as the background score while it's great that nike wants to make a statement about racism and the lack of representation that african americans face it should also be apparent that nike is not part of the change it seeks to promote despite focusing on sports that is significantly skewed towards african american athletes despite making much of its north american profit 
from black consumers despite signing many of the world's most famous athletes of color as spokespeople Nike does not have a single person of color in its leadership team and then Nike's post was retweeted by their rival Adidas stating together is how we move forward together is how we make change well even Adidas doesn't have a single person of color in its leadership team it's not only Nike and Adidas then there is L'Oreal telling us that speaking out is worth it guess how many black members L'Oreal has on its leadership board it's zero Apple was also among those brands observing blackout Tuesday it spent the day using its various platforms to support black artists black creators and black communities again how many black members does apple have on the leadership team none all i'm saying is racism will not be solved by merely running campaigns supporting blacks brands need to take actions that directly impact the lives of colored americans on the ground brands should use their power of influence to create a better future for those who are suffering blacks need to be promoted to positions in social and political institutions through which they can create a better tomorrow for themselves and are no longer at the mercy of the majority i have one last observation on these campaigns i don't see brands take similar stance for social matters in india be it the caste system or marginalization of minorities or the article 375 i do not remember brands taking any strong stance Uh, campaigns uh, addressing social issues works in more developed economies beautifully where most people have climbed up the need hierarchy and are at the self actualization stage therefore campaigns such as black lives matter get absorbed adopted and adopted by brands and companies in india by contrast if a brand takes a social stand the market gets divided into two and the larger market segment opposes the stand as it fails to touch a chord with the masses Brands in India work on actions, fearing legal battles or social media backlash for taking a stand on any issue. Even personal opinions expressed by brand ambassadors can unleash public fury on the brand. I think all of us remember the problems faced by Snapdeal when the actor Amir Khan, its brand ambassador, expressed his fear about the growing intolerance in India. Hence, we have seen a tendency among brands in India to stay away from such social issues. So. With this we have come to the end of episode 2. Racism is not only restricted to the boundaries of USA unfortunately. Minorities in different countries have had to suffer injustice and prejudice for ages. USA being one of the most developed nations and a global superpower has to set better examples for others to follow. We hope soon there will be a day when words like equality and justice are no longer mere words in some books thank you for listening to us please do not forget to subscribe to our channel and rate our episode you have been listening to government thoughts we appreciate your time and we hope you enjoyed the show Kindly do not forget to subscribe to the podcast and rate our episodes. Until the next episode, keep spreading happiness.